Tuesday, October 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Mr. Jason Moser. Thanks for being here. Hey, hey. So, for the dozens of listeners, let me just say up front, we are recording this early because I'm taking Tuesday as a personal day. So, uh, hopefully the market is not doing Tuesday morning what it did late in the day on Monday. <laughs> um, and with so many re- companies reporting this week, uh, we thought we would do a, a more detailed preview on three companies that are reporting later this week. And let's start with Etsy. Etsy's going to report after the bell uh, on Wednesday. It's their third quarter report. Uh, this is a stock that was in the low 30s in March. It's now around $140 a share. What should folks be watching when it comes to Etsy? Yeah, you know, it's really funny. I, I didn't realize Etsy had been on quite such tear. Um, I guess I just hadn't really been paying that close attention to my portfolio. And then one day I opened it up and I saw, hey, wow, that's a nice little surprise there. That's the best kind of surprise. <laughs> These guys have been doing okay. Um, so I, I will say, like, first and foremost, that when it comes to earnings season, and, you know, I tweeted this out earlier, and I think it's just something that I always want to remind myself. Um, because we get very hung up in the expectations game. And for me, it's always more beneficial to pay attention to, to management and management hitting the marks that they set, not what the street's expecting, right? I mean, management you know, should, in theory, know the business better than anyone. So, I think they're going to provide a little bit more of a realistic outlook, and I think it's going to be a little bit more aligned with the way we invest. And so, typically, I go through, <clears throat> for the companies that do set guidance and offer guidance, I, I look for the things that they say. So, um, I, I mean, with Etsy, if you look back to just a quarter ago, uh, I mean, the language in the call was was one of, of optimism, yet caution. And they were really taking things one quarter at a time. Um, so, they did offer you know, estimates for for some of the, of the metrics that matter this quarter, the gross merchandise sales, which is the the amount of money that's going through that network in the range of two point two to two point five billion. That would be anywhere from eighty to to one hundred percent, one hundred ten percent up from from the same quarter a year ago. Uh, looking for revenue of three hundred sixty six million to four hundred twenty six million. That would represent a range of growth between eighty five percent and one hundred fifteen percent. And and so those are the things you know I look at first and foremost in regard to just the sheer numbers. Now I think with Etsy another metric that really matters. I mean this is this is the nice thing about the network. It's a two sided network with buyers and sellers, and they benefit from both. Um, but if you, if you look back from uh, just a quarter ago, I mean they reported three point one four million active sellers. 60.3 million active buyers. Now that represented growth from 2.8 million and 47.7 million respectively from the previous quarter. So you can see as the quarters go along, this is a business that continues to really benefit from the move towards e-commerce, right? I mean e-commerce it's not just an Amazon world anymore. And and certainly Etsy has been proving itself to be not only a great place for people to buy things, but a great place for people to sell things. And I've always just been really impressed with um, the metrics the past couple quarters and and what they're selling in masks. I mean, it is just amazing. This is like the place to get a mask. (laughs) And you can get all sorts of different kinds and, and like, you know, all sorts of different types of artwork involved with these masks. It's just really interesting to see that this has been such a a place uh, for people to go out there and, and really... And really sell something that clearly everybody needs in some capacity right now. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think that uh, those are the first things that I pay attention to when it comes to Etsy, and and we'll just kind of get an idea of how they see this holiday season uh, shaping up as well. You know, I, I know we have talked over the past few months with regards to Etsy, the investments that they've been making uh, on the seller side, really trying to boost marketplace operations for the sellers because they, they got to make both sides happy, as you yeah. said before, customers and sellers. That said, the, the growth in active <laughs> buyers is remarkable it when really you is. consider in less than a year, they've basically grown active buyers to the tune of about 50%. Yeah. And I mean, you think about the size of that opportunity. I mean, this is a business ultimately that is going to be, I mean, it is already global, but I mean, it is going to be like a global business. I mean, it's going to be that strong. I mean, this isn't something that's just really kind of a domestic play here. Um, And to that point, I'm I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about the investments they make in the business, particularly on that seller side. Um, A couple of areas that they continue to focus on are in the Etsy ads department. And man, you got to love it when a company brings up their own little brand of payments, right? You've got Etsy payments, and, and that actually is a thing. Now, in regard to Etsy ads, uh, you know, an interesting statistic there that Etsy ads had its first $1 million day in July. My suspicion is that as the year goes on, we're going to see that number. We're going to see that more frequently, I'd imagine. Um, and they continue to tinker with that offering in order to make it more friendly to their sellers, right? They they are very much a a uh, you know a partner centric business. I mean, they're trying to make this a platform, a network for uh, their sellers. Because if you have a platform where the sellers are happy and taken care of, if they're selling good stuff, the buyers are going to show up, and, and and obviously the buyers are showing up. So it seems like they're doing something right there. Um, and then in regard to payments, I mean, Etsy payments. That's that's not like a that's not like a Square thing or a Stripe thing. I mean, Etsy payments they they depend on third party providers to run their payment platform. But but regardless, I mean, it's another way to keep their it, it's another way to keep their really buyers and sellers in the universe and control that experience a little bit more. But over uh, the last quarter, they expanded Etsy payments to five additional countries. It's now in forty three countries, nineteen currencies, and it processes ninety two percent of their gross merchandise sales. So you figure that one of the upsides of digital payments, of mobile payments, of just having that payments business, one of the upsides is more data, more information, being able to personalize more. Uh, That's something that they're going to continue to be able to do with that payment side of the business. Ultimately, that all results in bringing more sellers in. If the sellers are selling stuff that the buyers want, then more buyers come in. I mean, it is just a phenomenal network effect just keeps feeding on itself. Uh, So I feel like, as a shareholder myself, I'm extremely happy. I'm extremely happy that Santa Claus brought these shares to my daughters last year for Christmas, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I think that you just get, you got to feel really good about the, about the groundwork they're laying out. Let's move on to Spotify. Uh, Spotify is going to report uh, third quarter results Thursday morning. Is subscriber growth the number one metric to watch here? I mean, this is an unprofitable company, so clearly profits are not what we're going to be looking to. <laughs> yeah. ah, profit schmoffits. Who cares about that, right? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, as a as a, a Spotify user, I am not a shareholder yet. I mean, I kind of feel like it's one of those stocks that I've always wanted to buy, and I just never got around to it for one reason or another. Um, very much like Netflix, I think this is a business that, for right now at least, subscriber numbers are the numbers that matter most. Um, and, and the nice thing about Spotify, they have they have two different 
you know, classifications of subscribers, right? They have the, the paid subscribers and then they have the ads, ad supported. Um, but if you look back to last quarter, monthly active users, just under 300 million, 299 million subscribers made up 138 million of that. Now, right now it is all about users. And the reason why the subscribers are so important because that's, that's the gist of the business, right? I mean, those advertise, advertising supported listeners are fine, but really the money comes from the subscription. And if they can continue to grow those subscribers, uh, that's going to be really encouraging. If you think about 299 million overall monthly active users and subscribers at 138 million, I mean, you can see the disparity there. There is plenty of opportunity to bring more people into that subscription model. And, and they continue to, to build out the content offering in order to do that. Uh, the area that they've made you know, most investments in, I think, are on the podcast side, and and I think the podcasts require the that ultimate long term view. I mean, it is something that they're still learning very much how to monetize it and how to make it really, you know, a stable and reliable and growing and meaningful part of the business. But they're definitely doing that. I mean, they they now have over one and a half million shows. Fifty percent of those launched in 2020 this year, where. You know, a lot of people have, have had a little bit of time on their hands, so I'd imagine that they're giving Spotify a chance and listening to some of those shows. But again, going to what they're looking for, you know, looking at what management's guidance is, management set out guidance here for total MAUs uh, between 312 and 317 million. And of that, they expect total premium subscribers to be in the 140 to 144 million range. Again, important to see that growth in subscribers because that's what really gives them the opportunity to continue to build out the content. It requires money. It requires money to feed this engine right now. But but it's kind of like Netflix in that regard. Um, I feel like with music, though, the neat thing about music, I think music, it's a little bit different in video than in that you're going to listen to the same music over and over again. It just it lives a much longer life without getting stale. So they're not faced with that same hurdle of always having to come up with something new. And if they can get great podcast partners on there, uh, that that's just that's ginning up continued continual fresh content as well that that really that really will help serve their purpose in bringing subscribers in and then keeping them. After the closing bell on Thursday, we're going to get Starbucks uh, wrapping up the fiscal year with a fourth quarter report. Um, year to date, shares are flat, which is pretty amazing uh, <laughs> when you consider the S and P five hundred is up only about three or four percent. So. The fact that Starbucks has bounced back to basically be even for the year, um, given all the closings they've had and everything going on, um, what are you going to be watching with Starbucks? Well, Chris, I tell you, the first thing I'm watching is my portfolio. Is that stock ain't flat for me, big guy? I bought this thing at the at the the, the Nader back in in March, man. I got this thing for like fifty bucks a share. I couldn't believe it. It was like a fire sale. So I've been waiting forever to finally get Starbucks shares, and at sometime late March or something, I just saw the opportunity and had to jump on it because fifty bucks for this stock seemed like a steal. And I guess the market's telling us it was a pretty good deal. Um, and I think I know why. I mean, I would put Starbucks in that same class as Chipotle is one of the key restaurant operators out there that's continued to prove that not only can it keep the ball rolling in tough times, but it actually can really separate itself even more from its competition. So when all of these all of these restaurants, I mean, you see it just all over the country, all over the world, really, so many are having such a difficult time. 
I mean, Starbucks was really set up to succeed here from a number of angles. And, and I think one of the primary um, points of success for them has has been that mobile presence. I mean, being able to, to you know, pivot and, and rely less on the in-store experience and just being able to, to have their operations open so they can still serve um, customers. Now, if you look at what they're actually looking for, I mean, their guidance here in, in – in, um, global comparable store sales or comps they're they're calling for global comps to fall 12 to 17% for the fourth quarter and for the full year and remember this report that's coming up this is going to be their fourth quarter um, they're calling for U.S. comps, America's and U.S. comps, to fall 12 to 17 percent for both uh, quarter four and the full year, and they're calling for international comps to fall between 10 and 15 percent um, for Q4, and then about 20 to 25 percent for the full year. Um, now, you know this isn't really a surprise. I mean, this is a company that had a lot of success coming into this year, dealt with a lot of time where their operations were shut down. Those aren't sales that you get back. We've talked about that before when it comes to restaurants. You don't you don't get to go make it up by selling me two cups of coffee tomorrow. Uh, but you know they were able to really get through this in pretty quick fashion, stay open. They've got, I think, close to 95% of their stores open now. It might be 96% actually. Um, and, and I think that you know that only is going to continue because they, they've got this blueprint. They've got it figured out here so that even while times are tough, they can still remain open and continue serving people. You talked before about management and listening to what management has to say, and that's uh, that's what I'm going to be focused on with Starbucks is Kevin Johnson. Yeah. Um, what is he saying about, in particular, capital allocation? Um, what are they doing with their marketing spend? What, if any extent, are they making on further investing in drive-through? Yeah. Um, and, and and I don't I, I I say all that I don't have any sort of preconceived notions of what I think it should be. Kevin Johnson knows so much more about this business than I do, but um, but it's just that's the thing that I'm you know I think I think that you know as you said the numbers are going to be the numbers and they're you know they're they're going to be down um, that's to be expected for all the obvious reasons but I think what he says about their fiscal year 2021 that's what I'm going to be watching. Yeah, I think you're right, and I'm glad you mentioned. Um, you know, drive-through is is one part of the equation. If you look at the investments, the the focus that they've had here, the investments they've been making. I mean, part of it's mobile, part of it's drive-through. But if you look at some of these numbers, last quarter, um, customer usage of of mobile ordering increased to 22 percent of total transactions. That was up six percentage points from a year ago. Um, which you know that 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 honestly, it feels like it could be more. Right, but then you look at the sales volumes for the third quarter, right? That flowed through the combination of drive-through and mobile order and pay. That basically accounted for ninety percent of sales volumes, and so it, it's a business that certainly has been able to turn its focus really specifically on the areas that are, that are going to matter the most in 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 what we're dealing with now in this pandemic economy and in mobile order and drive-through and and they're clearly continuing to get it done there and i mean they're faced with the one the one hurdle right the one sort of roadblock there is that, you know a lot of their stores you can't really have a drive-through right i mean it's not like you just go build a drive-through at a lot of their stores but but some of them you can and in future stores there are going to most certainly take that into consideration um the one thing that i i continue i just I, we talk about this i feel like every quarter i feel like this is an area 
where they could do so much more is in their loyalty program. And, and they basically look at this 90-day active members, right? It's it's not just looking at members. They're really looking at 90-day active members because, you know, Starbucks, it's, it's, a, it's something that you should be utilizing on a semi-daily basis, whether it's every one or two days or whatever. Most people are using it pretty frequently, but but given everything that's gone on, um, their their rewards loyalty program, the 90-day active members in the U.S. last quarter fell to 16.3 million people. That was actually down five percent. Now a lot of that was due toward that was due to the store closures and, and just general headwinds from what we're going through. Uh, still, to me, at 16.3 million, I mean, remember just last week we were talking about Chipotle now having 17 million. And, you know, I, I think coffee's more addictive than burritos. And, and certainly it's, it's, well, I don't know if it's better for you, but burritos, if, if you eat as many burritos as, as, as coffee that you drink, I mean, you're going to, you're going to get big fast, right? So coffee in theory should be better for you. It all just goes to say they should have more members in that loyalty program that they do. I don't know why they don't. I feel like they need to work on that because I feel like that's a big opportunity, um, but regardless, you know, it is a it is a strong business with a very strong brand and a tremendous global presence. Um, you know, just just a lot of things to really like about it. And I think that Kevin Johnson has really taken the reins from Howard Schultz and continued with with that success. You know, he he really was given a, a pretty pretty good situation. He didn't he didn't try to to, to turn this. Thing around and do something different, man. He just he saw the success that got them to where they they are. He's kept that ball rolling, similar to kind of what we're seeing with with Chapik taking over from Bob Iger at Disney. I mean, you want to see a new CEO get in there and, and and keep that ball rolling, and it certainly feels like Kevin Johnson's done just that. Uh, real quick before I let you go, uh, I meant to mention this the other day with Jim Gillies. Uh, Halloween candy, as we yeah. do every year. Give me your underrated. Give me your overrated. Wow, you know, so we have a couple of bags of candy in the pantry now. We we tend to subscribe to the notion that you should have Halloween candy in your house all the month of October. So we do. Um, underrated, you know what, man? We I got a bag the other day with those little hundred thousand, <laughs> the little hundred grand bars. Those I, I feel like don't get nearly enough attention. That was a revolutionary candy bar when we were growing up. Doesn't get enough attention today, though. I think, Chris. Um, I think I think it's a little underrated that that hundred grand. I like them. Uh, overrated. Hmm. I like all candy, but you know, I feel like your plain old Hershey bar. I don't know, man. If you're giving those out, I, you, you got to get a little bit more creative, right? I mean, it feels like. Not not anti chocolate, but if you're giving people just plain old Hershey bars, it's like you're not putting enough thought behind it. Well, that to me is the uh, I, I agree with that, but but that to me is why uh, it's so crucial when they do the miniature bags. It's a mix. Yeah, it's not just the straight up Hershey bar. They got the dark chocolate in there. They got the crackle. They got the the Mr. Good bar. It's like, you know, it's almost like a, a palate cleanser for the others. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I agree. <laughs> All right, Jason Moser, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.